Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio, back with Alex Jones. I just want to give you guys a bit of a bio because, um, you know, all of the new listeners to to my show may not have heard of him as much. Maybe you have. Since the age of 20, which, as you can see from the video, about seven years ago, Alex has been working in alternative media. He started with an access television show and grew into the wildly syndicated Alex Jones show, which is now on over 160 stations across the United States. And in addition to worldwide radio and uh, internet at uh, audiences, Infowars.com is a massive online news platform read by millions upon millions. It's almost into the Carl Sagan billions now, I'm sure. Each month, and the PrisonPlanet.tv streaming channel hosts Infowar nightly news, special reports, and Alex's many documentary films. Alex, so much. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you. And we're all here still on this mode of dust with trillions of galaxies, and we're having to contend with crazy people on red carpets telling us they're God. So thank God you're here pulling down all the false gods including those that worship the state, Stefan. Well, so I've been doing a little bit of research today, sort of in preparation for our conversation, talking about the mainstream media, also known as the lamestream media, also known as soon-to-be-fossilized dinosaurs to be dug up by accountants in the future. And the numbers really are quite staggering. As far as trust goes, only 6% of people say they have a lot of confidence in the media. Puts the news industry at about the same level as Congress and, of course, way below the public's view of other institutions. And um, a huge amount of, of viewers uh, dropping uh, from, from the mainstream media. And, of course, they're having real trouble meeting payroll these days. As you can tell, 400 mergers and, and layoffs and all that going on at the moment just in the first half of uh, 2016. Ad blockers are coming up, and of course, people are going to Netflix, they're going to YouTube, they're going to your channel, to my channel, to other places, of course, where they don't have to sit through the spin, they don't have to sit through the commercials, and they, I think, get a stronger sense of trust and grounding. Now, you've been in this uh, alternative media game longer than I have. What's your view of this big transition that seems to be accelerating significantly over the last year or so? Well, I think of it as... 200 years ago, there was a few railroads or horses was the only way to basically travel or maybe by ox cart. And then now the Internet has created just billions of miles of basically freeway. And people with almost no money have the equivalent of Ferraris or Lamborghinis to uh, go down this information superhighway. Uh, and so the establishment was just so arrogant, so delusional, like Adolf Hitler or, or Marie Antoinette or so many other delusional elites that they thought they would use the web to control information and sell us things and push their propaganda. To a certain extent, they've been somewhat successful. Uh, but overall, the genies out of the bottle, they're losing the war. And, and that's why they're trying to bring in net censorship. That's why Facebook and all these big sites are admittedly doing it. It's why you've got so-called mainstream media, dinosaur media, uh, defending that, oh, well, we own Google or we own Facebook. We're allowed to censor you on that. But the minute they admit that they're starting to censor, uh, the fact that they're a public commons is completely over and people just leave them in droves. You know, that's happened to so many other so many other platforms. And so uh, really, it's a very explosive time to be alive. They're going to try to censor us. They're already doing it, as you know, in Europe. Uh, the, the Democrats added to their platform today that they want to arrest anyone that denies man-made uh, climate change, anthropogenic global warming. I mean, if that was even real. And even if I agreed with that, I, I would say, well, you should agree with – if someone wants to say the Earth's flat, that's their right to do it. I happen to disagree that most climate change is, is, is man-made. It's the sun driving it. That's what most of the physicists and experts say. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, when, when, when Mars is heating up, we're heating up. Uh, when it's cooling down, we're cooling down. It's, it's the sun, stupid. But 
if some crazy person wants to say the Earth's flat or some crazy person wants to say global warming's real or isn't real, that's their opinion and they're right. Why should I be so threatened by it? So they realize they've gone from arrogance. I said six, seven years ago, I, I hope they continue to be arrogant. And I hope they continue to be delusional because it's so easy to beat them at this point. It's when they finally figure out that they're 100 points behind with one quarter left, you know, in this, this fictional football game, that that's when the empire strikes back. And if you study history, elites are so ham-fisted, so arrogant, so megalomaniacal, so delusional, it's going to be quite explosive. And, and it is explosive. They're starting wars with Russia. They're turning the Arab Spring loose and just menacing Europe with just five million uh, radical, jihadi, crazy uh, cavemen they brought in. And they're just flooding our borders and bringing in all these people they think will just bankrupt us. The globalists control the West. They got global power out of the West, out of allowing a little bit of free market. Now their instinct is, oh, my God, what made us great is rebelling against us. Let's kill it immediately. So the mainstream media is dead. I mean, you look at the numbers. Uh, it's crazy to go. CNN's top shows have a half million. Uh, MSNBC's have a half million. Fox is the big king with like three million. Big deal. I'm not that big of a deal. But every day on our six or seven YouTube channels, we get like eight million viewers on Facebook millions every day. On the radio, terrestrially rated on over 170 stations, it's 3 million rated, actual, you know, with computers and systems tracking, people that actually put this crap in their car, 3 million are tuning in. And I'm not on some power trip. I know I'm going to die someday. I, I, I put my pants on one leg at a time. I get the flu. I roll around for three days vomiting everywhere. I mean, I'm actually a humble person. And I look at these delusional globalists just thinking they're God and, and, and their minions worshiping them. And I, I got to be frank with you, Stefan. I'm actually scared because I always wanted to believe there was one big central conspiracy. I mean, I know there wasn't one central conspiracy, but there were corrupt combines working with each other. But the more professional elites that actually got stuff done, they're all dead or like 98 years old. Now it's totally delusional elites on the right and the left in control who just have a will to dominate and piss on everything. And I really see, quite frankly, major upheaval in the future, not from people with self-determination like the British exit from the Euro, but from the elite's own hubris. So the death rows, well, they're already dead, but as the zombies discover they're already dead, the the rattling death rattles, the, the, the tinter tantrums we're going to see, I think are going to be spectacular. And, and, and quite frankly, I am disgusted with the fact that I was proven right about this whole global government. And now uh, I'm just hoping we have some type of soft landing. What do you think? Well, I think that when power-hungry junkies run out of words, they often uh, reach for uh, rather more aggressive items, uh, usually in their holsters. So I think it is, a, it is a risky time for sure. And when people lose their ability to control through language, they will often try and control more directly. And the degree to which people are shredding themselves away from the mainstream media, one in seven Americans have turned away from the cable or, or satellite TV subscription. 62% uh, of U.S. adults get their news on social media sites. Uh, Primetime viewership for CNN, Fox News, MSNBC from 2008 has fallen 28%. And that's even with everyone tuning in to watch what Donald Trump is going to say next. Uh, even, you know, the, the, the Trump revolution is hitting Fox News. The perception of Fox News among Republicans hit a three-year low, has declined by about 50% since January they lost of half their this year. Half their listeners and viewers in one major demographic. Yeah. So when the, the, the people 
have been controlled through a narrative. And the means of delivering that narrative begins to break apart what happens? I mean, that, that to me has been, we talked about that earlier this year, that this is a huge year for the future of freedom because the controlling narrative is falling apart. Voices are being able to connect directly with real facts and evidence to the audience. What the hell is going to happen when they can't control us through language anymore? Well, I think you answered your own question. Uh, look, the, the mainstream media is dying. It's totally sold out, but it's so arrogant, so narcissistic, so corrupt, it can't admit to itself as it's on a sinking island that it's a shadow of a shadow of a shadow of its former self. And I think you just said it. Um, they are just now discovering how much trouble they're in. It's going to be explosive. But conversely, as the public begins to realize they were in a false paradigm, it's kind of like waking up in the morning from a dream. You go, whoa, you start to visualize, you know, with your own eyes, your surroundings, the growth curve of awakening, the growth curve of enlightenment, of renaissance, of true liberalism is going to be like a giant trillion megaton bomb to these tyrants. And, and, and in fact, quite frankly, I see my own orthodoxies. And, and my own understanding of things being eclipsed in the next five years by other incredible free thinkers that are coming. And, and I'm glad to be eclipsed by great free thinkers that are coming because it's going to be that total renaissance of humanity, almost towards a singularity, into the next 50 years or so that I believe will take us as humans to the next level. And I'm just a fan of humanity. I want us to transcend all of this. And I just want to be part of the good guys, you know, that were part of realizing true human potential. Uh, but I think uh, incredible things are already happening. They're clearly happening. The elites are in trouble. The problem is, as you've said so many times, in the old days, the Japanese or the Germans getting out of control, they got bombed, they got slaughtered. They, you know, they kind of learned to grow up and stop, you know, being on egomaniac power trips. They are amazing cultures. They are super smart. They thought they were smarter than everybody else. They thought they could just dominate everybody. They found out that wasn't the case. The question is, our elites, I don't think they're even as smart as the Germans or the Japanese. They're so freaking delusional. And they've got nuclear weapons and other technologies. I'm really concerned about the planet, Stefan. I'm worried about you know, taking the whiskey bottle away from these drunks and saying, look, your liver's already fried. Don't kill all of us running us off the road. I mean, that's really my concern, as I said earlier, is I think we've already won the war. Uh, but it's going to take a time before Hitler in his bunker figures that out. And I think in that process, what if Hitler would have had nukes when he was in his bunker? You know, what if we had nukes, but he had nukes? He would have launched the damn nukes. And I think we have an elite that are just as bad as Hitler, but with nukes. So what do you do with a three-year-old on a power trip on a narcissistic megalomaniac uh, delusion uh, who's completely schizoid uh, and has deep psychosis who has nuclear weapons? Well, uh, I guess we'll have to leave that as an open-ended question. Hope it doesn't come past to that. And, of course, the degree to which we can give people reason and evidence, good arguments and so on, is the degree to which this stuff is going to become visible. And, and it's really been incredible to me, Alex, how rapidly these statues of falsehood get built up by the media and how incredibly rapidly – I hate to say termites because that sounds kind of bad, like kind of negative, but they're pulled down by all of these people who are just doing their research. They're in their basement. They're looking things up and they're publishing on little blogs or on YouTube channels and so on. It gets picked up by larger people. The degree to which all of these narratives are being built up and then the degree to which they get pulled down almost in real time must be incredibly frustrating right. for the people who are so used to having these like McCarthyism that stands for a half century that he was just some crazy guy who imagined communists crawling up his legs. Now these narratives are being deconstructed as they're being built. It's astonishing to watch. 
Oh, I, I couldn't say it that good, Stefan. That's why I love having you on my broadcast. Absolutely. I mean, they declassified a decade ago all these KGB files. It was worse than he was saying. It was exactly what he was saying, and it was our own elites. That's when they finally burned McCarthy. He wanted to have a police state to counter it. They're like, okay, have that, but we'll we'll use it against the general population. As soon as he went, the Army and the State Department fund Russia, which has now been admitted. They're like, get that guy out of here. You know, We don't want him to know we're building up this enemy so we can become authoritarian ourselves and supposedly counter it. The truth was McCarthy was a drunk. God loves drunks. He wasn't perfect, but the guy actually meant well. That's why they destroyed him. But looking at this and looking at so-called liberals, I mean – I was brought up by parents that I would call real liberals. I mean, they were into literature, they were into art, they were into free thinking, they were into hearing other sides. I hear the so-called left saying, arrest people that don't believe in man-made global warming, arrest people that believe in men and women existing. It isn't bad if I say men and women exist, if somebody else is a transgender, I'm not against those people. But, but, but it being foisted that I have to give up language or I'm hurting somebody, that is beyond 1984. And I know right-wingers were horrible under Bush, but my God, under Obama and under Merkel and Hollande, it has just been bizarre to see the so-called left, who in history have done a lot of good things, supplement themselves before the God of the state. And so I just say to them, look, I'm against Catholic cults, Christian cults, Muslim cults, whatever they are. I'm not against Christian cosmology, like you've talked about loving your neighbor and trying to be good folks, because you got to have some type of operating system. But what do we do when it's just you identify with this central politician who's a, quote, liberal, like Bernie Sanders, but that everything he does is a fraud? I mean, you people are in a cult. How do you reach out to folks like that who have been made so dependent on the system that as things unravel, they're not going away from the mainstream media as it's discredited, as most people are leaving it. They're becoming more cult-like, so we're left with this giant 20-30% that are like piranhas on PCP swimming in the sea of lies. What do you do to counter them? Well, you know, this is a funny thing, and I've, I've obviously, like yourself, put a lot of thought into this, and... I think that the elites need the dependent classes a lot more than the dependent classes need the elites, right? So so right now, of course, on the left, uh, it's more among poor people. On the right, it's more among rich people, the military-industrial complex and the banksters and, and uh, all of the people on Wall Street with their bailouts and so on. But they create these people who are going to support power because they've become dependent on the fruits of power, income transfers and, and all that kind of stuff. But it does sort of give me some positive thoughts or, or optimism, I guess you could say, when I think of things like, you know, in Canada, they cut massive amounts of government spending and cut welfare and so on in the 90s. And people just went, oh, okay, I guess I'll change my life and, and do something different. And same thing happened, of course, uh, when uh, some aspects of uh, the welfare state were sort of repealed or shrunk back under Clinton in the 90s as well. And this has happened in a wide variety of places. When the government runs out of power, people do scream a lot, you know, because they, they really want it to continue. But when they finally get, okay, well, you know, the gig is up, the game is up, they just go and do something productive. And they say, well, you know, it's a good, good run while it lasted, but I'm out of money and I'm not going to set fire to the casino. I guess I'll just go home. So I do think that the degree to which the elites preach disaster if the state shrinks is not even close to what's actually going to happen. It will actually be a huge weight off everyone's mind and shoulders when the state shrinks and we can start dealing with each other more voluntarily. And look at Venezuela, look at Brazil, look at Greece, look at Spain, look at Portugal, look at Italy. All these places with big governments, that's what endangers everything, is, is running up debts that no one could possibly pay because delusional banks are loaning you uh, imaginary money. But, I mean, look at any wildlife park. 
where people keep treating the squirrels or birds. They're fat. They're stupid. And then, and then when the off season comes, a bunch of them die because they don't even know how to go bury nuts for themselves. I mean, obviously that's where this is going, but they have so weaponized dependency that I'm really concerned about a global depression. And if we do have one, if we had a depression back in the 1930s and, and we had all those problems, I mean, Stefan, what do you think is going to happen in a global financial meltdown? Because it's done incrementally, weaning folks off government, that'll work great and actually empower them. But, but, but what do you do if there's a huge collapse and breakdown? Because we look at our delusional elites. We look at how corrupt they are. We look at what they've done in other countries. Can you imagine an entitled Canada or entitled UK or Europe or entitled United States? What is going to happen? Uh, I mean, a lot of the socialists think we start cutting stuff off. These entitled people are going to be a political weapon, and they intend to take over and double down on their socialist communist revolution. Uh, and so I, I just hope as, quote, intellectuals who are free market, we don't have some blind spot of realizing the actuaries they've got with their supercomputers of why Hillary Clinton seems so confident. Now, I tend to see her as delusional, and I hope that's the case. But, I mean, what's your gut tell you? Oh, I mean, that, that's a, a lot of questions there. I mean, there certainly are situations where – a big government has shrunk relatively rapidly without there being massive civil wars. Of course, you can think of the failures of various communist regimes around the world and so on. Um, but, uh, you know, it's hard to say. I think there has been a lot of dumbing down of the population lately. And one of the things you need for civilization to occur is for people to be able to have rational disagreements, which requires a certain amount of verbal skills, a certain amount of intelligence, a certain amount of willingness to subjugate your uh, opinion or your willpower to reason and evidence. And as you can see from sort of the politically correct stuff that's going on on the American campuses, uh, it seems to be just a scream fest these days, like a, a uh, you know, I'm going to squirt myself with blood and I'm going to go protest Milo. Well, sir, and I'm like, about, oh, it's all about taking your personal ego and, and your personal will and advocating it into some weird collectivist BS. So it's a weird amalgamation of groupthink or, or mass, mass psychology, mob psychology, where they, I, I mean, obviously you study a lot of history, so have I, because it's, it's riveting stuff. I don't claim to be some big brainworm, you know, or some, you know, you know, some brain bug that has all the answers. Bookworm is what I'm looking for. But history's so riveting. And then you, we go out and cover, as I know you've covered, we've covered all over the world, so-called leftists. The leftists I used to know might have bad final summations in their analysis, but they were still historically informed and pretty smart people. The, but not anymore. You talk to the average so-called leftist, they cannot find their ass with both hands. And I don't get on a power trip going, man, you're a, really an idiot. It is scary how dumb they are. I mean, it is frightening. I, I, and I guess just the iPhone generation, the, you know, the TV generation coming to a head is these people. But my God. Well, I mean, it's one of the things that uh, used to be the case with people who were educated. There's an old saying by Aristotle that says it's the fundamental mark of a, an educated mind to be able to entertain opinions that are the opposite of yours, right? So you need to be able to expose yourself to differing opinions. I love the fact that the internet can allow you and I to have uh, greater voices than we otherwise would have had. On the other hand, though, people can really tailor what they consume to match their existing prejudices. And because they don't come into and, and grapple with and wrestle with well-argued, well-formulated, well-evidenced opposing opinions, they get kind of startled, like somebody just dropped a squirrel in their bathtub when they get an opposing opinion, and they freak out. Well, Stefan, you just had, as you know, for, for new TV viewers, what Stefan just said has been the 10-year plan of Google and Apple and Microsoft and, and Twitter and Facebook and all of them, is they create, as you know, these internet ghettos 
that are just tailored off your history to things you totally agree with. So you finally get on somebody else's computer, like you're at a hotel, user computer, or I use my parents' computer, or a neighbor's like, God, it's a whole other world of search results. You know, I thought before it was just everyone agreeing with me, and I've even gone through that the last five, six years. But I understood what it was and looked it up and saw it. So they're creating these little comfort zones where everything's fine, and we almost wear like artificial reality headgear when we go into that space. So let me ask you this, Stefan, how do we counter that? We clear out our browser history, we set up a new system, and we go and we read I mean, I go and read workers' party stuff, even though it's, you know, just unbelievable BS. They've been a lot of real problems, but their solutions are written by the same people. What do you do to counter getting off that electronic reservation? <laughs> well, I mean, fortunately, um, having grown up in uh, uh, educationally, basically, I was educated in, in Canada, um, a, a tad left of center uh, in many ways. And so I have a sort of long buildup of uh, consuming the mainstream media in Canada, going to uh, undergraduate, graduate school and so on, where it was just like, boom, 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 left is cannon to the face every single day. So I can pretty much get into that mindset fairly easily. And and again, like, like you said earlier, there's stuff I love about the left. I love the fact that they really criticize uh, the the banksters, right? Fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm really, those, those guys have nothing to do with the free market. Uh, you know, the puppet counter what they've set up. Yeah, and, and I love the fact that they criticize the wildly aggressive foreign policy of a lot of Western countries, and they criticize the bombing of, of countries in the Middle East and elsewhere. Great stuff, fantastic. So uh, I can get into that mindset and really appreciate where they're coming from. It's just that their solutions are really bad. Diagnosis, good. Solution, absolutely terrible. More government, more taxes, more regulations, so more control. That. I mean, come on. Expand on that. There's the, 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 there's an article at Infowars.com a few days ago, 200 Hollywood stars and elites with bodyguards, but they don't want the average person to own guns. And I realize it's a complex argument. America's a Wild West culture, born out of violence. It's violent. But the places with no guns, only the criminals have them, you know, have higher crime rates. And, and, and so the elites pushing take our guns, like Elijah Cummings coming out and saying only politicians are allowed to have guns, or Diane Feinstein saying I have a concealed carry, but you shouldn't be. It's so disconnected. I mean, I live in like Conan the Barbarian land. You know, just a few generations back, it was everyone just killing each other. So that kind of cycle has been set up. I get it in England, the crime rate's much lower gun-wise, but it's much higher with baseball bats and knives because there are no guns. I get the lower gun rates. But the whole issue is it isn't the gun doing it. And, 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 and I mean, not to rehash whole arguments, it's just that what don't feminists get that if women are being abused and women are being attacked, women are being targeted, why wouldn't feminists that are about women power want to tell women then, okay, go out, get a gun, learn how to use it, when statistically guns are used 20-something times more often to stop crime than are used in a crime? Why why teaching women say how to do jujitsu or boxing? I never hear the feminists say that. No, no. They want a scared, freaked out woman wedded to the state in some liberal talk show that isn't even liberal. I mean, it's just they're obviously preying on women and trying to make sure they never have a chance at a real relationship and a family to follow the human biology if they want to. You know, us having this normal biology isn't an attack on anybody else that wants to do something else. My God, I could care less if you dress up like a clown and think you're married to a dog. The point is, don't make me finance it. Well, of course. And there is something, I think, really spectacular that is occurring that is an opportunity, I think, for, for real freedom. And that is when society gets better, elites get nervous. Because if we have a better society – there's less for the elites to scare you with. There's less for the elites to do and so on. And 
people have becoming, uh, in a lot of ways, becoming richer in America. Violent crime, up until relatively recently, like with the Ferguson effect and the paralysis of the cops because of fear of race baiting, violent crime has gone down enormously, enormously. 61. And it's like by a third or more in certain categories. So people are safer. Crime Women. Guns down 61% according to the FBI's 1992 statistics through 2012. But you're right. Suddenly it's ticking back up because of financial collapse. I'm sorry I'm interrupting. Go ahead. Well, no, yeah, and, and also the fact that, you know, cops are terrified of being race baited into an early grave, right? I mean, uh, what is it? Three of the officers uh, who of the six who were charged in Freddie Gray's death have now been exonerated. The same thing happened with Darrell Wilson. No, but you're uh, and so sure cops have been paralyzed, which means that, that violence is escalating. So, of course, feminists want women to feel scared and everybody wants everyone else to feel scared. And that's why there's all this crazy race baiting and gender baiting and, and, and all of this inconsequential stuff that, that we get distracted with rather than, look, if society's getting better, maybe we can take take some uh, money away from enforcement and control and give it back to the people so they can start building businesses, which is going to make society even better. But no, you've got to interrupt that process as an elite, and you've got to start pitting people against each other. You've got to start making up external dangers. You, it's, I don't think it's any accident that, that paranoia about global warming or climate change came about at the same time as violence was going down. It's like, oh, are you losing a legitimate fear? Here's a nice made-up one for you now. Exactly. We don't have the Russian threat anymore, so now we stage an event or let them attack and then blame it on the Muslims. And then if that won't work, we go destabilize seven other countries and make them collapse and then invite them in. People always go, how dare you after we bombed their countries, you right-winger. And after we did all that to them, now we're bringing the refugees in. I'm like, I was against Bush. I called for his impeachment. I was against the invasion of Iraq. I was the first person to question 9-11, literally on the day. I don't know what you're talking about. But the point is the elites that destabilize the Middle East are now the ones collapsing this into us because crisis is their brand. Like that movie, you know, title says, they admit that they're creating crises. And as you said, quite frankly, I tell my daughters because, you know, they go to school in here. Oh, my God, there's all this crime and all the people are trying to attack me and men want to attack me. And I pull up statistics and I go, look, it's been down for 20 something years. It's up a little bit. It's depending on the neighborhood where you live. You lock your doors at night. You know, people come to my house. And they go, where's all the guns? You're a big gun nut. And I go. I have a better chance of slipping in the bathtub literally like 10 times and dying. There's not guns everywhere. I'm just saying the fact that they want to take my guns is a canary in the coal mine that they want to literally enslave society. But exactly, I, I, I see, listen, let's just say there's this rape epidemic, which we know is not happening. Let's just say there's all these irrational fears. Wouldn't you arm women? So, so I'm just going to that argument. But I actually agree with you uh, that unless you're in certain collectivist-run hellholes like D.C., New York, Chicago, Oakland, L.A., Boston, I mean, you've got a better chance of dying in a car wreck times 20 or 30, 10 times to slipping and hitting your head. These are real numbers, you know, from the, from the World Almanac. I mean, it's, it's in some areas, deer jumping out in front of your car kill more people than guns. It's, it's literally a pipe dream, but just like great white sharks kill like seven, eight people a year, when they have one attack on the West Coast— they admit for over a year it cuts people signing up at hotels, swimming, uh, courses on 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 uh, you know uh, all sorts of water sports like like uh, surfing get cut by more than half. They've put national ads in in 1973, the year after Jaws came out. People can look this up, saying there's only been three or four shark attacks a year. You, it's not dangerous. Please come. Uh, many towns because they set it on the East Coast went out of business. I mean, literally became ghost towns. It had been hundreds of years people going to the beach shut down because of Jaws. And, and, and again, that's a triumph of the hysteria that you got 330 million people. 
you've got you know a couple hundred a year that get killed in mass shootings. Yes, it's tragedies. Yes, it's terrible, but it's just not the reality. No, and of course the um, that there are things in life which are future uncertains, um, and there are things in life which are fu- future certains. And of course, we should be paying attention to the future certains rather than the future uncertains. Now, the future uncertain is. Could I get shot by someone? I guess, yes. And I could get hit by lightning and a bee could crawl up my nose and sting my brain and all. anything could happen. But the future certains are, I don't know, how about $20 trillion in debt? How about a giant military industrial complex with over 700 bases around the world sticking their sticks into hornet's nests all the time, provoking all sorts of blowback? Uh, I don't know. How about um, a crumbling infrastructure? How about a dumbed-down school system? Uh, how about an ever-expanding federal registry of regulations and controls? How about America being one of the highest tax countries in the world? These are future That's- certains, and the idea to which they're goosing you with ghosts is, is predictable but crazy. That's what blows me away. In fact, you've hit the heart of it here, Stefan. I want to ask you this question with about a 60-second breakdown. I look at all the statistics, all the admitted unfettered numbers, the genetic engineering, the, you know, the, the, the toxic waste dumping, the stirring up wars to sell weapons, the funding radical Islamists, the starting war with Russia, the overthrowing Ukraine and saying Russia did it. All of these things historically are fundamentally you know, like a 10 on a 1 out of 10 scale of dangerous. And the elites are so obsessed with, with, with dominating the population that they've dumbed us down, they've made us dependent, they've done all this stuff to manage us in their instinct to dominate their, their prey, but they've not dominated themselves, who are their greatest threats, by any metric you look at, they're the ones bringing in a world government to dominate us when they've already got global control. But they want 100% control, it's not up to have 70%, and it's just so incredibly dangerous to see that the elites who are pushing collectivism because they exempt themselves from the taxes and regulations, the ultra-rich want to make us dependent, as you said earlier, they're the big threats, and they don't seem to see that clearly they're the ones endangering everything in their OCD lust for power. So how do we somehow have a conversation with the establishment saying, listen, you're self-destructive clearly by any historical yardstick? Uh, yeah, I don't know I, I, who, who I'm going to choose to talk to. I, I, I'm not sure the, the existing political establishment would be in the top 10. But um, I, I do think that these, these kinds of conversations where we're sort of speaking frankly about the, the real risks that are in the world, I think um, are, are very important to kind of shake people's head out of the, the fear porn that is swimming around them like the imaginary shark in a swimming pool uh, that's keeping them jumpy because jumpy people – want to rush to a leader. I mean, that's one of the fundamental things about evil leadership. You know, there's good leadership and so on. But the sort of evil fear-mongering leadership is, uh, hey, did you hear something in the bushes? Everybody, gather around, make a circle, put your spears out. And and everybody then just obeys because, you know, you don't want to take the risk that maybe there isn't something and they're going to get eaten and so on. So this fear-mongering, I think, is really, really key. And I think also the degree to which, um, you know, we've been sort of going back and forth on the left-right thing, the degree to which the media, oh, man, in America, such a relentless left-wing cheerleading squad, such a, you know, head up their butts of the Democratic Party, uh, that I think is really becoming evident. When you have somebody like Donald Trump 
Has he got a few skeletons? In, well, he got divorced a couple of times, you know, nothing major compared to Hillary Clinton, who basically opened the, the uh, entire secrecy, secrecy apparatus of, of the United States to anybody with an IP address and a ping packet. I mean, good Lord, how is it possible that, that people are focusing on, I don't know, what Donald Trump said rather than what Hillary Clinton exactly. actually did? Because it's the victory of delusion of reality. It's the victory of thinking I'm on the winning team, like somebody who goes out and buys a Red Sox jersey after they win the World Series and feels like they're a winner. I have been told by top-level folks that have been in six, seven administrations, high-level people in the Pentagon, you name it, that you know what Hillary was really doing. For years, she had a server she knew was penetrated ordered people to put stuff in there so she had plausible deniability. She didn't go down to the, lo you know, the local park and, and have a park bench where she put secrets like other spies for the Russians and the Chinese. She just had them cut classified off of it, put it on her server, and let the Russians, the Chinese, the Saudis, everybody come in and get the most classified data, secrets, policies, what the State Department were going to do, and then every day, Hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, she made hundreds and hundreds of millions uh, off selling the country completely out. And what's crazy is the elite would put her in a position, I guess she's a woman, to sit there and do that. And then you go out and talk to Hillary supporters. They're incoherent weirdos that can hardly talk, Stefan. And you're like, listen, Nixon was like God on earth compared to these people. And I was brought up hating Nixon. I mean, I'm wondering what comes next if she's the president. And, and talking to insiders, they say, listen, we're so penetrated. It's not just her. It's everybody has been bought off now. And here's the problem. The communists have their problems, but at least they're centralized. And, and the Muslims have their problems, but they're centralized in Saudi Arabia. We have had aggressive authoritarian states come in and use our openness to just buy everybody off. And it's like a crazy bazaar where they're just buying everything left and right, and we are the joke of the world. I mean, Obama didn't even know the Brexit was coming. He didn't even understand it. He, he predicted it wouldn't happen. Totally flat-footed, and they wanted to hold the world hostage and say, give us unlimited power or we'll implode your economy. And then the Brits said, okay, and now they don't even know what to do. I mean, I've never been the incompetence theory type person, but I tell you, it's kind of like a fiddler crab inherits some shell of some other animal. Our elites have inherited the shells of elites that were a lot more savvy than them. And, and, and quite frankly, I think that's the most frightening thing. And I think leftists associate, but also sort of right-wingers, with this big, powerful state and imagine it's got all the answers and it knows how everything works. And the truth is, it's a bunch of people trying to manage 10, 15 mistresses apiece and billions they've stolen. And most of them are so scared they're busy buying armored redoubts at the Ozarks or they're busy moving to New Zealand. And that's the most scary sign is they're scurrying now from their own activities. But at, at the end, they're stealing even faster because they realize it's all coming down. And, and again, I hope it isn't the end. But my problem is they're blaming the British exit on stock market problems they already engineered. They're going to blame Donald Trump if he gets in for the collapse that's happening. And I just think some of the public's so dumb, Stefan, they may buy it. Well, yes, uh, um, there's that old George Carlin line about, uh, you know, think how dumb the average person is. Well, half of them are dumber than that. Sorry. Now, I, I think that, you know, I think a lot of people, when they get good information, you don't have to be super smart to to. I get good information and act on it. I don't need to be a dentist to take care of my teeth. 
so I think if, if we find ways to, to get the information, to present it in a way that's digestible to people or, or either entertaining or, or some way of getting it across to people, I think people will then kind of understand it. Because it really, civilization just comes down to a two a few tiny little principles. And number one, don't initiate force against other people. Number two, do your best to keep your contracts or to keep your word. It really comes down to those kinds of things. And, and when we look at what did well by you and spread the word about good things and vote with your dollars, I totally agree. And so I'm not yeah. trying to be a fear monger here. My job, I think, is to be kind of a Paul Revere like you are on the wall saying, look, these gods of the state are out of control historically. They always fail. It's the biggest thing we've ever seen. We've got to realize, though, that going along with it is a danger. I'm not trying to wake up your audience on average, you know, let's say 90% of your audience that knows more than I do or you do in many cases. I'm just trying to reach out to folks that tune in and make comments and joke about this. Listen, read some history books. This is not a game. This is not a joke. And I'm trying to put forward to folks just how serious the straights are. But I totally agree. When we build an alternative, even idea, and, and show an alternative to this system. That's why they want to censor us. They can't compete with it. People will go to that choice. And so I think that's the great positive thing about it uh, is that it is that when there are alternatives, uh, people will gravitate towards that. They'll augment it. Uh, they'll retrofit it. They'll make it better. And so I think the new renaissance is actually here. I'm just worried about the response of the dark age crowd, how they're going to try to block it. Well, you know, what we're engaged in here, Alex, is nothing less than a giant digital intervention to stop the cycle of history because the cycle of empire, the cycle of uh, civilization is grimly predictable uh, throughout most of human history. It's, you know, from the peak of any particular civilization or any particular empire, it's usually about 250 years, approximately 10 generations until it all goes to hell. And we're here. And, you know. And, we, and we're here. We, we're exactly at that point from the peak. And, and the peak is not wealth. The in peak the is, is the idealism. We got Sorry? Five, I mean, we're in it now. We're in that zeitgeist. You're right. Yep. And, and that cycle has gone grimly repetitive. And uh, I'm just doing a whole big thing on, on empires and the Roman Empire and so on. So I won't get into all the details. But the, the cycle is grim. It's like this big, gi giant stone wheel going down a slope. It's, and it's just crushing and, everything and, and in again, its path. And bringing in the immigrants and the, and the racial, all the same crap. I mean, all the same crap. Multiculturalism uh, leads to uh, over and over again. Because I, I guess yeah. as a species, we're individuals, but we are collectivists in the species mass mass grouping and actions. That's why history doesn't repeat it rhymes, but it almost does repeat. Right. And, you know, the old saying that, that civilizations rise in hobnail boots and descend in silk slippers because we get comfortable and we lose our mission and we lose the urgency to defend that which has been handed to us uh, on, a, on a pillow. That's yeah. it. I mean, I mean, and, I mean, I mean uh, adversity builds men, prosperity builds monsters. So how do you kill that paradox? Because, I mean, look, I'm a wimp compared to my dad. He's a wimp compared to his dad. My kids, I mean, I'll be honest, they're great and they're wonderful. I've spoiled the living hell out of them. How do you stop the velvet slipper thing? Because I'm going to be quite honest. I like I like velvet slippers. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to save some I don't want to save civilization by going to go live in a cave or something. So, so, but I think the challenge is to 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 break this cycle, to to stand before this giant stone wheel of empire cycles um, requires what previous empires and civilizations didn't have, which is the communications apparatus that we have. You're right. We have technologies that exacerbate the problem, but also make it a lot better. And I think overall, unless the elites nuke us, I, I think we're going to win. So let me ask you this in closing. You can ask me. What do you see? What's the time frame you see entering that 
not, not a Valhalla, not some utopia. None of us are saying that's what we're having, but but better than this whole collectivist, corporate, fascist, crony capitalist, socialist, you know, domesticated idiocy animal farm. How far till we leave the storm? I and mean, what do you see at that holiday, that new island we're going to? Well, about 10 years ago, when I first started, I said we had about five to 15 years to make a real difference. It was going to start in about five years, and uh, we were going to then have about 10 years where we were going to be able to make a real difference. I stand by that completely with even more certainty now than I did when I first made the prediction all those years ago. And we are going to have to try and get people to understand that what has failed is force. What has failed is falsehood. What has failed is manipulation. What has failed is control. And the only thing, when you've accurately diagnosed a, a, a problem, that's the only chance you have to successfully resolve only it. Truth and once, succeeds. Sorry? Only truth and freedom succeeds. Right. So once we can tell people it is not that we didn't have the right government programs in place, it's not that we didn't have one additional layer of bureaucracy, it wasn't because Europe didn't have a European army or a world government, it was not one additional layer of control and brutality and manipulation and counterfeiting. That is not the issue that has been the growing problem. And once you've diagnosed the problem as the escalation of institutional force in the hands of the state, then, I think, and only then, if we repeat that message, often enough and it sinks into people's minds and it takes a long time for people to get all of the complexity of the world boils down to a few simple principles. Once people understand that the problem is the escalation of force, then and only then I think that the remedy become clear and very easy to act upon. I totally agree. I mean, you cannot force me to do something. Anything you do like that, if I'm not hurting you, is illegitimate. And, and, and look, I tried to pull myself out of the whole left-right debate, but people only communicate within all these stupid terms, as you mentioned earlier, kind of ink sock, dumbed-down language. It's kind of a balance. I mean, how do you reach people that don't know what's going on and still be able to have them understand you? are not being elitist. It's like they're so dumbed down. I don't think of myself as that smart. It's shocking how dumbed down, frightening the elites get off on that and go, good, let's screw these people over. It's like, but my kids are going to grow up in this world, and it only goes downhill. I, no, no, that, that comes back on me. Call it morals or whatever. It's just common sense. It's like not crapping in the public swimming pool. You know, Other people are going to do it. It's going to ruin the pool. But some of these sociopaths just don't understand what comes around goes around. But at the same time, it's absolutely true that I just want to reach out to people on the left or the right or whatever thing and just say, listen, this paradigm is based on fraud. It's based on fiat money. It, they've sold the same house a hundred times over and over again. It's all derivatives fraud. It's designed to come down. They think the crisis is going to give them total control. They're delusional. Please believe me, whatever you're seeing on MTV or CNN or Fox News is deliberately designed to take you out of the game so you sleep and the social controllers live. But then at the end of the day, the social controllers are a bunch of greedy bastards who aren't even living or conscious themselves. And so it's time for, as I've said, people to truly understand that those of us that aren't arrogant, those of us that aren't looking for power, those of us that don't want to be leaders, those of us that, quite frankly, are introverted uh, uh, loners. I mean, I was like that my whole life. We have to get involved and be leaders or we're going to lose not just this this generation, but I think that the, the, the whole planet's in danger. And I, and I think all the evidence shows that's clear. From everything that's happening, we have reckless people in control who tell us, advocate our authority, and they'll run stuff. And they've proven they're not running stuff good. Okay, so that's my bottom line, Stefan. I'm just glad you and Paul Watson and just so many other great thinkers are out there talking about this. And I want to say, you are a true liberal, in my view, kind of an archetypal true liberal who actually wants to empower humanity, wants open free ideas. 
And I think assaulting the fake liberals is the most important thing we can do to say, you people that want to restrict language and control debates and stab people at demonstrations, you're not liberals. You are a bunch of authoritarians. And I'd also like to thank you. For, I'd like to thank you for that great speech in closing and also thank you for giving us a title. Alex Jones, introvert, you know, because then people are going to be like, say what? I can't. I got to see that. I got to see that. But the funny thing is, is that um, I, I was never hugely keen on some sort of big public life. It's just that, you know, where there's necessity, there's necessity. And you simply have to speak the truth uh, that is not being spoken. So, Alex, a great pleasure to chat. Infowars.com uh, to check out more, of course, of Alex and his entire team's work and PrisonPlanet.com. Uh, TV. Uh, a great pleasure, Alex. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much for your time today. Stefan, you're awesome. Look forward to having you on my show. God bless and uh, take care. Because we talk about God. I know the atheists say God didn't get it. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm just, I appreciate the sentiment with, with great humility. Thanks no, so much. Saying, I'm saying there's something about the state. When I talk about God, that's what I mean. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you.